Hey, everybody. Good afternoon and welcome. This is Anthony D'Ambrosio. I'm the Vice President of Sales at Supply Chain Solutions, the company that always strives to find a better way and deliver results. And you are listening to the Ship Show Series podcast, the show that gives you the inside angle on all things related to supply chain and logistics. Today is February 22nd, 2024, and I'm proud and excited to announce that we are back and better than ever for another season of the Ship Show podcast. Now, our shows this year will be a little bit shorter in length, but loaded with critical content that your organizations could use to make informed supply chain decisions that will drive value to your bottom line. Now, on today's show, we're going to talk about the dire situation that has been unfolding down at the Panama Canal. And if we have a little time left, we're going to touch on the Red Sea crisis. But uh, let's jump into everything going on down in the Panama Canal. And uh, I wanted to share with all our listeners that back in April last year, I had the opportunity to travel to Panama on business for supply chain solutions. And I was lucky enough to see the Panama Canal up close and personal. And it is really amazing. It's, it's a modern marvel. And you cannot really appreciate what the canal means to the global commerce until you see it in person. The fact that it's not operating at its full potential is a serious cause for concern. But I'd like to give you a little backstory very quickly about the canal because um, Lake Gutan, uh, or as we translate it into Spanish, Lago Gutan, is a freshwater artificial lake to the south of Cologne, Panama. And it was created back in 1913 by the United States by damming the Chagres River. And the Gutan Lake is, is a key part of the Panama Canal providing millions of liters of water necessary to operate the locks each time a ship passes through it. Uh, and when it was constructed, uh, Gutan Lake was considered the largest artificial lake in the world. And, you know, it's, it's funny because uh, most people think that, you know, you've got the Atlantic Ocean on one side and the Pacific Ocean on the other, and they just open up these locks and, and flood the, the canal with ocean water. And that's how these ships go through. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. Um, it all is a result of the Gutan Lake. Now, currently, the dry season in Panama is in full swing. And the impacts to trade through the Panama Canal is really going to remain challenging in the months to come. Uh, I think the situation in the canal after a wetter than, than expected November wasn't as dire as many of us believed, which allowed a number of daily transits to increase actually in January. And, uh, you know, the Panama Canal Commission forecasted 24 daily transits in January, meaning 24 ships a day could transit the canal. And that was up from uh, 20 previously uh, that was expected for January. But unfortunately, uh, it's down to 18 vessels a day now in February. And throughout the fiscal year of 2023, it's a mind boggling number. 12,638 vessels traverse the canal, and that's a daily average of 34 ocean-going vessels moving through the canal on a daily basis. And what's really interesting that I found is that uh, it's, you know, the projected run rate for the fiscal year of 2024 of vessels transiting the Panama Canal 
is only 9,700 vessels. So when you think about it, 12,638 vessels previously, now we're down to 9,700 vessels a year. That's a 23% drop than the whole throughput for 2023. And while there are all types of vessels coming through the canal, you know, everybody thinks it's nothing but container ships, but we have liquid gas carriers and oil tankers and bulk carriers. The vast majority of the vessels transiting the canal were Panamax class vessels. Now, while the container traffic receives a lot of attention, the tanker and dry bulk, bulk markets are really heavily impacted as well by the drought at uh, Lake uh, Gutan. And throughout the first four months of 2024, chemical tankers made up 25.6% of Panamax class vessels that have traversed the canal. And the liquefied petroleum gas carriers made up 25.5% uh, uh, of the Neo Panamax vessels throughout the canal. So, you know, we have to ask ourselves, what is driving the disruption? And it's all about the water levels. The water levels within the Panama Canal are largely to blame, but any hope for a significant rebound in water levels to boost throughput will likely be met with a harsh reality over the last, uh, the next few months, unfortunately. Uh, and it's really a tragic situation, and it's affecting all aspects of commerce and global shipping. Now, the water levels are going to remain challenged. Uh, and that has the potential to continue to derail vessel throughput. Uh, Gatan Lake, which, as, a, as I mentioned earlier, is a man-made lake that the vessels have to, you know, traverse through, had water levels of 81.2 feet as of this Tuesday. And the water levels in this critical portion of the canal uh, have started in 2024 at the lowest level on record. And that goes back to 1965. So we're at the lowest water level right now that the canal has seen since 1965, and the projections are even lower over the next couple of months. And most likely, we expect that water level to fall below 80 feet sometime in April. So it's a tragic situation. And when you think about it, we had 36 to 34 vessels going through the canal on a daily basis, and now that's been cut in half. And we only have about 18 vessels a day going through. So, again, it's a really sad situation. And, you know, three of the largest uh, uh, ports in the United States, three of the largest five ports in the United States rely on shipments that navigate through the Panama Canal. Uh, the port of New York and New Jersey, the port of Savannah, uh, the port of Houston, and over the past months, these three ports combined to handle 30% of the total 20-foot uh, equivalent um, uh, units throughputs. So that's 30% of 20-foot containers, 20-foot TEUs. Uh, so it's, it's a mind-boggling number. And for reference, the two largest ports in the country, the ports of LA and the port of Long Beach, accounted for 32% of the total uh, USA throughput. Uh, last year. So even though import demand has picked up uh, steam through the Chinese uh, Lunar New Year, it provided a boost to the overall imports that are trending above last year's levels. And I think 
Uh, this bo boost is being felt by the East Coast ports as well, like Savannah, where the ocean TEU volume index is up over 40% this last month. I can tell you the, the port of Savannah is booming, folks. And the water crisis is really creating increased delays as backlogs around the canal remain uh, the same. Okay. Uh, you know, because of the water crisis, there's so many backlogs. And in the old days, uh, before we had this water crisis down at Lake Bhutan, uh, vessels would just show up at the anchorage on either side of the canal and they would just go into the queue. Now, uh, you know, vessels have to make a reservation to transit the canal. And sometimes those vessels are waiting at the anchorage for a few days before they can transit through the canal. So it's a really crazy situation. Um, but I mean, these delays are even more impactful the further up the eastern seaboard we go because the Port of New York and New Jersey are having similar delays as a result of this problem at the Panama Canal. And right now it's around a six-day mark, uh, a six-day delay. But they're over three days longer than they were last year. Last year we were only having delays that were like two to three days. Now it's six days. So it's really a crazy situation. And if you compare East Coast ports to West Coast ports, um, you know, the, the, the port pairs, um, um, you know, um, are under three days and nearly a day less than they were this time last year. So the delays are just, you know, mounting up day by day. Now, let's think about this in terms of imports, in terms of imports, you know, the canal authority plans to maintain the current draft if they can, but the increase, but the increase and increase the number of vessels transiting per day. But because the November rains were not as sufficient as those in October, coupled with the results of the water saving measures and restrictions that have been implemented about, you know, by the canal uh, authority, uh, we're still, you know, having a lot of problems. So again, it's um, it's a really fluid situation that's changing week by week. Now, steamship lines are maintaining the Panama Canal surcharges, which started to be implemented in January of this year. So as everyone knows, those charges are, you know, pass-through charges that most of the freight forwarding industry has to lump into your pricing. Now, while the Alliance, which is one of the mega uh, container ship alliances out there, um, they are not using the Panama Canal anymore. Uh, other steamship lines are trying to resume their usual service routings via the canal, but uh, there are some exceptions that really remain. And, you know, there are, are uh, alternatives. And, you know, the alternatives are to route via the Cape of Good Hope, uh, okay, or the Suez Canal. And if you go via the Cape of Good Hope or the Suez Canal, you're still looking at an increased transit time of about 14 days. Uh, so because you can't go through the canal, you have to go around the Cape of Good Hope or you have to go through the Suez Canal and in the, in, in the front end of your transit, of that vessel's transit, and it costs more in fuel, costs more for the container ship owners, uh, you know, the vessel owners to operate their vessels, and it's just dragging out and extending the transit time. So... Again, it's a very, very sad situation. And uh, as the ships are delayed, transit time is impacted also by capacity. 
So more ships are needed to cover a longer route on a weekly basis. Uh, and, and as a result of that, space availability on services typically routed via the Panama Canal have become a challenge. And, and this is why we're, we're seeing a lot of rate increases right now in most of the trade lanes. So these delays are being supported with rate increases by the carriers. Um, so, you know, the situation around the Suez Canal is going to continue to be fluid. Um, since December uh, 15th, most maritime carriers announced that they are temporarily pausing or rerouting vessel traffic through the Red Sea and Suez Canal following a sequence of attacks on container vessels launched, launched from the port of Yemen uh, by the Houthis. Um, and a permanent rerouting of all services will really require, and it's a staggering number, folks, you know, so as these container ship owners, you know, vessel owners start to reroute their vessels because they cannot get through the canal, okay, we're talking about 1.4 to 1.7 million TEU being rerouted right now as a result of this crisis. Uh, and due to a round-trip transit time increase of about 30% of the capacity, okay, um, you know, we are equally absorbing up to 6 to 9% of global container vessel capacity. So, again, it's, um, it's a really sticky situation down there in Panama. And most of the vessels that travel around the Cape of Good Hope, um, on an average, as I mentioned earlier, extends their transit time about 14 days. But rerouting or pausing even a portion of those vessels can have a significant impact, not just on trade that moves through the Red Sea, but across all global trade lanes. And, you know, blank sailings and rate increases are expected to continue across many trade lanes uh, through Q1 of this year. And as we go into Q2, uh, of 2024. So, you know, as capacity continues to tighten, carriers are going to likely reshuffle their vessels to trade lanes that have more demand. And some lane, and in some lanes, uh, this is already happening. We're seeing that right now in real time. And the industry could also experience an equipment imbalance, particularly in Asia, because of the delays in backhaul services. So, you know, think about it. All these vessels are transiting through the canal and they're unloading their ships, containers are being unloaded, and then empty containers are being loaded back on those ships because they have to reposition the empty equipment, okay? And this reduces the number of empty boxes available for people to ship back out, you know, again. So it's highly recommended uh, that bookings are made four to six weeks in advance to provide adequate space and equipment coverage. And I think, folks, the bottom line is that Mother Nature is outside of human control. Um, and if the water level projections hold true, the next couple of months could add to the ongoing crisis at the Panama Canal, causing massive disruptions and price increases that no one wants to see. And again, um, you know, it's a it's a tremendous modern marvel. Marvel. It's a it's a big part of global commerce, uh, and you really have to see it in action. Um, you know, are the drought conditions as a result of global warming? You know, 
that's not something we debate here on the ship show. We don't know. Um, but it's, again, a really tragic situation. Um, you know, we have about five minutes left on our show today. And um, I think, um, you know, we'll just talk a little bit about the Red Sea in the couple of minutes we have less, uh, have left. And I mean, no one disputes that the Red Sea crisis is massively diverting containerized goods around the Cape of Good Hope. Um, and I think opinions have really varied on how serious this is for global supply chains, for consumers, you know, for economies. You know, on one end of the spectrum, there's the view that the Houthi attacks will stoke inflation, cause major goods shortages and have a material effect, not only on all economies, but Western economies as well. And while the container lines previously expected to sink under the weight of this, the excessive new builds uh, deliveries, meaning there, I think there's almost uh, eight to ten percent of new vessel builds coming into the global shipping rotation this year, meaning new vessels of all sizes. Okay, um, so even though we have all this capacity coming in, and carriers are manipulating that space and capacity. Um, I think what we're going to see is the container ship lines are going to try to turn this into a cash cow for them uh, by this continued, continuing dance that they do by manipulating the space and the capacity. Um, and on the other hand of the spectrum, you know, the view, there's a view that, that which lays out a far more sober scenario uh, with everything going on the, you know, going on in the Red Sea. Last week, we had a, a grain bulk carrier that was sunk. Um, today I woke up and was having my morning coffee and looking at some news reels and, uh, you know, news. And, um, we see that, you know, the United States Navy and the British Navy, you know, intercepted nine, um, Houthi drone attacks as well as two ballistic missiles just today. Um, so I think the Red Sea disruption is up bigger topic for Jason and I to to unpack uh, in one of our shows coming up in the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, it's, it's a very detailed subject and it's really become a real fly in the ointment for all of global shipping. And we're seeing, uh, you know, a huge jump in the spot rates following all these Houthi attacks. Um, and with all these Red Sea diversions, you know, happening to coincide with a period of high demand as importer, importers sought to, you know, to load cargoes prior to the, the Chinese New Year, uh, Chinese Lunar New Year, um, you know, the, the initial shock was just, was just off the charts, you know, and the timing was really unfortunately. But I think we're going to see ship capacity continue to be tight as many companies were trying to import from China before the Lunar New Year. Uh, and then we had all of this, you know, Red Sea disruption going on now for the last 45 days. And this timing made a major bottleneck even worse. And I think, you know, um, you know, everyone's in, in quite a bit of a panic right now. So, um, like I said, Jason and I are going to unpack this probably in our next show. But in closing... Uh, I just want to send a shout out to the brand family. Les Brands, our CEO, and Jason is my ship show uh, co-host and my partner. And uh, I, I'm sure that his lovely wife, Lizzie, and Jason are proud parents today. 
Um, last I spoke to him, which was about 6 a.m. this morning, um, his wife was still in labor. So, um, Jason, if you're listening, we want to congratulate you and the entire brand family on the new arrival. Uh, we look forward to you being on our show in a couple of weeks when you're back from your paternity leave. And as usual, folks, I'll just sign off with make it a great day and God bless America. Thanks for listening, folks, and see you next week. Have a great day.